Well, it must be 5pm. It must be, because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be there and I wouldn't be here. It is. It's the uh, 3rd of November. For some reason, I've been writing the 4th of November on my bullet point sheet, but it isn't. It's the 3rd of November. 2022 Thursday's programme is the BBG with you until 7 o'clock. I've got two guests for you and lots of talking points today. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. And it always is live from the magnificent city of Salford, he says, as he just puts out a quick technical fire there. Yeah, <laughs> I just did really, honestly. You're supposed to keep those things for yourself, it's you know. the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now... Here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, I, I'd be so good at the multitasking, sometimes it seems like I have nine hands. But I don't, I've only got a pair of hands. Uh, David Vance is always interesting and good value. David is, of course, the editor of altnewsmedia.net. He's also a podcaster and a popular independent journalist. So David is on to talk to me about lots of things. We'll talk about free speech. We'll talk about a bill going through Parliament right now, which you might not know about. I'll tell you about it momentarily. And we'll talk about migration and plenty more with David Vance. Don't miss him. He's on this hour. A bit later on in the programme, would you believe it? Kevin Barrett will be with me live from Madison, Wisconsin. A very old and dear friend. We don't see eye to eye on, on certain things. So we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat about Iran and oppression against women there and protests there and how genuine they are or not. We'll also talk about other things with Kevin Barrett. That will be Thursday's programme. And I'll also bring you live updates from Spain where Manchester United are preparing to play Real Sociedad from the Real Arena in Sociedad in España. I'll bring you live updates on the United game and might even bring you some live commentary as well. Right, I'm joking. I won't be bringing you any updates on the foosball. That's not what we do here at three. Well, nearly two and a half minutes past five this Thursday. How's your day been? Is it good? Is it not so good? Tell me, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. You know how to do it by now. By the way, I enjoyed the phone calls we got yesterday, as I did earlier in the week. I love the old phone-ins. We're going to have a proper one next week, for sure, for sure. Probably on Tuesday. We'll have a proper good old chinwag, you and me and others will get stuck into it, right? Okay, comment live, richieallen.co.uk. That is uh, the best way to reach me during the programme. Uh, dear listener, uh, there is an interesting bit of news from, well, from herself, from herself. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Yes. Greta Thunberg has evolved. We, we we knew Greta in the beginning as a little girl who organised a bit of a truancy campaign, didn't we, to save the planet? Let's save the planet. How will we do that, little girl? Let's just bunk off a of school. Ah. 
Lovely. Yeah, I bet the polar bears are delighted. Anywho, these days she's evolved and she's a bit of a, what's a bit of a political commentator now. She wants to overthrow oppressive Western capitalism and racism. That's on the menu. That's the next thing for Greta. She's released a book. She's promoting it around the UK at the moment. She's given a series of interviews to various BBC presenters. We'll hear a little bit of one of those interviews in a moment. She was at a, an event in London yesterday speaking about the about a new book she's got, the new book I just mentioned. And she said that the people in power caused this normal, do that thing, do that inverted commas thing with your with your fingers the new normal was caused by the people in power and the people in power must go says Greta okay I've written about this you can read about it if you want on richieallen.co.uk she said we are never going back to normal again because normal was already a crisis what we refer to as normal is an extreme system built on the exploitation of people and the planet, says Greta. A system, she said, defined by colonialism, imperialism, oppression and genocide by the so-called global north to accumulate wealth that still shapes our current world order. If economic growth is our only priority, then what are we ex- what we are experiencing now should be exactly what we should be experiencing. This was at the Royal Festival Hall in London yesterday. She's got a book out called The Climate Book. The Climate Book. And she said, I've decided to dip my toe into political waters, uh, having previously decided not to do that. She put it somewhat differently, but she did say that. So she's given an interview to a guy who works for BBC Radio 5. His name is Nihal Arsanayaka. Nihal Arsanayaka. Did he ask her about capitalism and extractivism and colonialism and, you know, racism and imperialism? Did he dig down into her knowledge of these things? Because I wouldn't be much of a bully, me, personally. I don't like bullying people, particularly on the radio. Never liked it. Politicians were a different story. I took great delight back in my mainstream days of stripping the skin off of politicians. I really enjoyed it. Rather sadistically, really. It wasn't a good thing. But uh, not people. People you don't do that to. But Greta, I'd like to be digging down into her genuine knowledge. Or just see how deep is her knowledge of things like colonialism and imperialism. Because I think it's probably not very deep. Now, she is fair game. So did, did Nihal Arsanayaka ask the baby-faced little cherub... About any of those things, of course he didn't. He asked her, how do you cope, Greta? How do you cope with the pressure, girl? Yeah, I mean, I go for, when I have time, which is not very often, I go for very long walks just to, to think and to clear my head. Long walks? Um. Also, I do a lot of knitting and crocheting. Knitting and crocheting? What's the last thing you made? Right now, that's a brilliant question. Right now, I'm very into making frog hats. I'm a frog hat uh, factory. Frog hat factory. I, I have no idea what a frog <laughs> hat is. I would have thought it's a, a hat that resembles a frog. It's, um, is it what it sounds like, a hat yeah. for a frog? No, it's a hat that looks like a frog. Yes. Okay. And is this a side hustle of yours? I mean, is Yeah, this, I do it during classes, during meetings and so on. It helps me keep me focused. And music? Yeah, that too. Um, and I do lots of reading and lots of dancing. 
by Riveting stuff, this, isn't it? Dancing by myself. Dancing by herself. Billy Idol is delighted. Dancing by yourself? It, it clears your head, kind of. How has being an activist helped you personally and socially yeah. interact with a world that you often found it very difficult to interact with? These are the questions the listeners are just dying to get the answers to, right? Yeah. I mean, activism is is a tool to to help cope with the world. At least that's how I see it. I don't understand how I would be able to to just go on with my everyday life without being an activist, without trying to do my best to change things. Um, that's called mythomania. I've written about that a lot and talked about it a lot on this programme, but not for a long time. Mythomania can be partly explained in these terms. The activist becomes so um, convinced of his or her own worth that they cannot imagine any solution to the crisis, real or imagined, right? Uh, without their involvement in it. You get that, mythomania. Bono or Bonio is afflicted with this mythomania. This notion that the, the problems of the African continent are not um, surmountable. They're not, it isn't possible to overcome them without his involvement. There's a touch of that with the wee Greta there. Otherwise, my life would be so meaningless if I... Of course it would. This is exactly what I'm talking about. If I, if I just saw everything that was happening with the world and chose not to do anything about it, I, I don't see how I would be able to do that. But I tell you what, if, if man-made climate change, if anthropogenic... I can never say it. <laughs> anthropogenic climate change is real, you're not doing very much about it by sloganeering around the world, are you, really? Greta Thunberg there, 10 minutes past the air. What an interview by the BBC. What are you doing at the moment? I'm, I'm crocheting frog hats. I am a frog hat factory, said Greta to Nihal Arsenayaka. This is your Richie Allen show. What else have I got for you? Is that all you've got, Paulie? I tell you, it's not getting much better between now and half five, but I'll soldier on anyway. By the way, speaking of the frog hats, I've ordered one for El Frogo Tremendo for Christmas. I'm hoping it'll arrive this side of Christmas if the Royal Mail stop these feckin' strikes. Hello, John. By the way, I, su I support wholeheartedly the workers uh, th th that are striking the Royal Mail staff. I support them wholeheartedly. But you can get one of your frog hats from Greta by going to GretaIsAnIgnorantLittleBollocks.com Twenty nine I'm not sure if that's euro, Swedish krona, or, 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 or pounds and pence. Greta is an ignorant little bollocks.com. I've registered that domain name, in case you're wondering. Um, a Conservative MP has said that PayPal should not be allowed to ban people based on their views or their politics. A bit late now, love. They've done it to lots of people in the independent media, haven't they? Including all of today's guests, as far as I know. They did it to me last year, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. There's no I in team. Um, speaking to Talk Radio's David Bull, Sally Ann Hart, MP for the Tories, said freedom of speech must be protected and online platforms should not be allowed to demonetise people they disagree with. Sally Ann Hart. 
Well, I think it's really important that we do whatever we can to ensure that we protect freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of opinion. These are internationally recognised human rights and we can't allow platforms, these online platforms, to just basically demonetize organisations or individuals they just don't agree with. It's just unacceptable. How on earth has it got to this stage where they feel that it is within their gift to decide whether they believe in a cause or not, whether it's a political uh, organisation or not? They shouldn't intervene, should they? I'll tell you how it's got to this stage, Dr David Bull, who was on this programme about three years ago, David Bull, and he was a good guest. I'll tell you how it got to this, because when people like me were being cancelled by PayPal, or deleted, or had our accounts closed and reported PayPal, which I did to the Financial Conduct Authority, that was a new story, you see. But you didn't care. Talk radio didn't care. The Daily Mail didn't care. Nobody cared that the most listened to independent news radio show in the world was just deleted by PayPal. You were given the press release, you were told about it, but you didn't give a shite. But now you, not you, but some of your pals are being, you know, having their accounts closed by PayPal. And all of a sudden now it's interesting. You could have stopped it. You could have nipped it in the bud when it began if you reported on it. But you didn't give a shite. What does Sally Ann Hart think? No, they shouldn't. And I think the problem we've got is that digitalisation has happened very quickly and it's sort of outpaced the legislation. So they've actually managed to get huge powers very quickly in order to do this and we've just got to get legislation in place so that they can't they can't shut people out from payment services because they don't agree with their opinion so now there's a bill going through parliament the reason he interviewed Sally Ann Hart today is because there is a bill going through parliament called the financial services and markets bill and she wants to attach an amendment to the bill and the amendment would be that once the bill comes into law, um, an amendment is basically that you add a bit of legislation onto a bill, right? A bill is going through Parliament that proposes certain changes to the regulation of the financial services and markets industry. Okay, that's what a bill is. So they're proposing to shake up, regulate financial services. And she's put an amendment on the bill that would say, and also... Companies like PayPal and other financial services companies are forbidden for closing people's accounts because of their opinions. That's why she spoke to David Bull today. And I believe uh, she was supposed to attempt to attach that amendment to this bill this afternoon. Any proposed amendment to a bill is voted on separately before the bill eventually, you know, before the bill is finalised and before... It is voted on by all 650 MPs. Do you get me? Okay. Uh, Sorry if I was a bit all over the place explaining that. I think it was fairly clear. So she was doing that today, but I can't find out whether she was successful or not. Anywho, we'll move on. Of course, financial services companies should not be, obviously should not be allowed or permitted to just close people's accounts and deny them access because those people have opinions that are maybe unpopular or maybe considered to be, I don't know, extreme. It's uh, coming up for 16 minutes past six. Obviously, migration has been everywhere today. Before that, also obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the Manchester Arena bombing today, 
which if I remember correctly happened on the 22nd of May 2019, didn't it? I remember this because the very this is the Ariana Grande concert. Uh, 2017, what's wrong with me? 2017. Um, we were due to go to see the very next concert, which was due to be the Kings of Leon, and that was cancelled along with lots of other concerts, understandably. Um, the Manchester Arena Inquiry has published a catalogue of failings and mistakes by the emergency services following the attack in 2017. It's found police, fire and ambulance services failed to work together and communication between the three was non-existent. All right. Um, I'd love to get into that in depth today, but I can't. Today, I can't today. But, um, and I know there are very strong opinions about this. I'm well aware of that. But I can't today. Maybe, maybe a little bit with Kevin in the secondary might get into it. Okay. So I'm not ignoring that story, but there's not a lot really I can do on it today. All right. Okay. Where was I going next? I was going to migration, which has been probably the most covered story this week. The migrant crisis, the small boats on the channel, the Albanians, the Afghans, the Iraqis and what have you, the young Albanian men, the overcrowded um, migrant hotels and all of that. Right, you've been following this all week long. So how do we deal with the migrants then? What would stop them coming over or attempting to come over here? There was a fairly funny, farcical phone call to LBC Radio this morning. Here's a, a punter, a member of the public, phoning in Nick Ferrari. I found it amusing. Again, the caveat being, what I find funny is often not very funny at all. But anyway, here we go. First point is, we're putting all these migrants into hotels. How long are we going to keep them in hotels? One year, two year, five years? Nobody's answering this question, Nick. And how are we going to get these people out of these hotels? Well, the once their claim, but we've just heard in graphic detail how incompetent the Home Office is with a gentleman from Iran. Once their mm. claims are held, they then either <laughs> they get moved back out of the country, but in eighty all but eighty percent of the cases, they're then processed and they're on their way. They then are living in the UK. Yeah. I mean, Nick, France aren't putting these migrants in hotels. That's why they want to come here. What is going on? I mean, it's ridiculous. But I've got a solution to this problem. Nick. Ah, this is what we need. Yeah, right, a solution. <laughs> Easy solution. I don't think nobody else has ever said this. Right, we put two Navy boats out in the channel to intercept these dinghies. Right, right. right. <clears throat> we don't bring these people on board the, on our Navy boats. Right. We just hold, hold the dinghies out at sea. We phone through to the French and say, right... Phone through to the French. Say, right, <laughs> we've got this dinghy in such and such a position. They, they won't come and get it. Well, if they won't come and get it, what we do then, Nick, we break law and we take the, the dinghy back to France, throw them on the beach and seize the dinghy. Fantastic. So we phone the French from sea, the Navy vessels, and we say, right, we've got these dinghies that came from your beach. Come and get them. If the French say no, no. Okay, sacre bleu, no, we're not coming to do that, no. You then push the dinghies with the migrants in the dinghies and you throw them on the beach. In other words, they've wasted their money trying to get here, Nick. That's the right. only way to do it. Yeah, only way. You've got to it, get tough. In some that it, means we, I don't that I means don't know I don't know that I don't I don't know, but whether members of the Royal Navy would be particularly comfortable about taking women and children and throwing them back on the beach at Calais. I, I just don't think the blokes would want to do it. You don't think that members of the Royal Navy would be comfortable taking women and children, bringing them back to Calais Beach and throwing them there? The same Navy that dropped 
bombs on Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya, killing millions of people. But they'd be worried about dropping some women and children on a beach somewhere. I'm not sure. But then it really gets farcical. This is really funny. And women. Well, you? I don't know. I mean, sorry, I would, would you? actually. I would. I yes, would. I would. You, you, you would throw children back on a beach in yes. Calais? If they've come here, Nick, and they've got no paperwork, no passport. Children. No wonder it's, no wonder it's taking eight no, 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 no. yeah. Children. Nick, Nick, I would God. even put great, great white sharks in the channel. If I-, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... I would even put great white sharks in the channel. That'll teach him. Great white sharks in the channel. If I- and I think that's probably about it. That's a yellow. That's a yellow, yellow card. They cut him off then because that's just unsavable. You can't say that. Put some great white sharks in the channel. Put some tigers. Put some, as, as in a great clip from The Simpsons, put some snorkeling gear on lions and tigers and throw them into the channel as well to deter any, any migrants. We, we live in a mad world, don't we? Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Ladies of Spain, it's 21 minutes past the hour. Kevin Farage, hour two. David Vance, hour one. David will be with me in around about 10 minutes' time. Have I anything else for you? Um, The Matt Hancock thing hasn't gone away either. Matt Hancock, probably the most ridiculous human being anywhere in the world in the last three, four years. Utterly ludicrous man. Um, An absolute walking satire, isn't he? Isn't he? A gift, manna from heaven for satirists, useless as teats on a boar, right? Useless. He's going to be on ITV's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. That has led to criticism um, for him and for, for politicians. Anne Widdicombe, old friend of the Richie Allen show, although not these days, it must be said, was speaking to talk radio and she says the problem we've got really these days is, well, the quality of politician just ain't what it used to be, Anne Whittacombe. The brutal fact is, and I've been saying this now for a long time, the quality of MP has been declining for a long time. The quality of your average MP, you've still got some very good people, still got some appalling people. Do you agree with that, dear listener? Do you agree that there has been a decline in the quality of MPs in recent years or in the last 10 or 15 years because when I think back even to before I had my sobering wake-up call as to what's going on when I think back they were always feckin' useless weren't they? Have they gotten worse? I don't think so have they? But your average uh, MP the quality's been going down and a lot of it's to do with the fact that selections now worry about getting more women more ethnics more gay, whatever it may be, instead of merit. And I've seen that at work. I mean, I've actually seen that in a selection, but you saw it at work. Uh, and uh, what that means is once you um, lay aside merit as your sole criterion, or at any rate as one of your major criteria, um, that does it. That, that is what erodes the quality. And that's been going on for a very long time. And do, do you think that's across? Is that across party or just yes. the Conservative Party? Yes, no, that's absolutely cross party. Labour have all women shortlisted. The Conservatives for a while uh, had the A list, both with exactly the same aim mm. to manipulate the composition of Parliament. Yeah, fair enough. That's an argument, right? Yes, it's a race to the bottom, isn't it? When you when you start a box ticking exercise. 
and determine that you need to have a certain amount of gay people, you need to have a certain amount of women, you need to have a certain amount of disabled people, and you're not actually looking for people who are just up to the job, regardless of their sexuality or regardless of their, you know, situation in life. Yeah, okay. It's uh, 24 minutes past the hour. Millie says, the guy talking to Ferrari sounds like the bloke talking about vaxxed people and how they shouldn't be allowed... Um, the unvaxxed people shouldn't be allowed into hospital in case uh, the vaxxed need a bed because of the side effects. That's right. Brilliant, that. I, I never tire of hearing that, but I won't play it again today. Chris says, there's so much money being made out of this migrant crisis. That is why it will never end. Serco, for example, he says in his opinion. That's an interesting point. Of course, these detention centres or hotels, let's say hotels, have to be policed, have to be secure and secured by security guards. And Chris is right, contracts are given to companies like Serco, lots and lots and lots of dosh flying around there. Scottish Al says, I've never heard any so-called journalist ask Greta a pertinent question, like what qualifications he has in the subject of meteorology or climatology. Very good. You're right, I don't remember either. She's not going to speak to anyone on the right of politics. She's not going to speak to talk radio while she was in the UK. Julia Hartley Brewer, who I'm no fan of, of course, but, you know, would have asked a few questions, I suppose. Hi to Faisal. Uh, thanks for the link, Faisal. Hi to Scaramouche, who says PayPal is overseen by the Anti-Defamation League for hate speech. Uh, or if they do not like you. Hi to Mr. Sin, Mr. Shin. He said there's no I in team, but there is an M and E. Well said. Herself says, I wonder if she would come on with you, Richie. That would be a show not to miss. Do you mean Greta Thunberg? I doubt it. I mean, Jesus. Why would she come on with me? She wouldn't have heard of me, of course, like most people. Dina says, Richie, same as Starmer. Didn't fight at school. Remember that nonsense? Starmer telling Ferrari he had a fight at school and then he couldn't really give any details. And then he said he didn't remember the guy. You know? Everybody remembers. I remember all the scraps I had in school. The ones I won, not many, and the ones I lost. <laughs> Just remember them. And the guys involved. Diane says, had a good day today, Richie. Bit of an upgrade on our power system here. Had to do it part live as the freezers had to keep working. Always uh, a bit of a bum wobbler working live, but I'm still alive and enjoying a homebrew while listening. Thanks, Diane. Out to vivisection. You're back. Good on you. Good evening, pal. Hope all is well with you. I think it's time uh, to get David Vance on the line. But before I do that, get your act together, Baldy. Do it properly. David Vance will be with me in about four minutes' time. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to you, UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Fantastic. I can't think of what to do with myself this weekend. I don't know if you're having that uh, problem. What, 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 you know, what, what to do? What will I do? How will I use my weekend? Let's get pissed and watch porn. Can't do that. <laughs> like to do that, but I can't do that. It's uh, time for a tune. It's Deacon Blue. It's Deacon Effin Blue. It's Deacon Blue. Ah, 
It's Deacon Blue. The old system has given me shite today. They've got their own personalities, you know. Broadcasting consoles, mixing desks. They've got their own personalities. David Vance is next. This is Deacon Blue and Dignity on your Richie Allen Show. There's a man I need. Sure, let's welcome back to the programme, Mr. David Vance. In the year of our Lord, 2022. How are we having such technical issues? Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Richie. Good to have you on, David. How have you been? I, I, I've been uh, very well, thank you, Richie. I'm very well, all things considered. Uh, you know, I've seemed to have managed to have survived the deadliest pandemic known to man, Richie. So uh, still standing in one piece and all fighting fit. So I'm good. Hope you are as well. Yeah, I thought the way things were going and the way things were being reported that it, it was going to kind of turn out like Stephen King's epic novel, The Stand, that a few of us would be in Colorado somewhere, you know, banded together uh you know looking out at wastelands and uh, you know cities falling apart but so, but we survived we survived yeah and we're <laughs> we, we are fit to fight another day richie so that's how i feel about things before we talk about things like migration there i, I was listening to talk tv or watching talk tv this morning david bull was yeah. on and he had sally ann hart on now there's a bill going through uk parliament at the moment known as the Financial Services and Markets Bill. I don't know too much about it. I imagine they're looking at regulating these um, markets and, and, and what have you. But Sally Ann Hart wants to table an amendment to the bill, an amendment which, if adopted and added to the bill, would make it impossible for, for financial services companies to do what happened to you and to others, and that is to close your accounts because you don't have the right to opinions. So kudos to yeah. Sally Ann Hart for at least making the effort. Yeah, I, th I think, Richie, I mean, I mean you, you've got to welcome these uh, small uh, sort of flickering examples of light in the darkness, because most definitely, uh, I think, and I don't know what you believe, but I do think that they want to come for us financially. They want to shut us down if they can't, you know. And I'm, it's not just me, it's happened to loads of people, as you know, Richie. They either try to take you down and remove you for a platform, platform from a platform or if they can't do that the next best thing is to financially cripple you or ideally both so you know so whilst it's good to see that happening i've got about as much confidence in westman uh, in the palace of westminster as guy fox did. <laughs> now this this made me laugh the other day um you've made me laugh there but th this made me laugh i interview occasionally Anjam Chowdhury. Now, I don't do that because it's a race to the bottom, um, sensational radio. I've known the guy for about 15 years. I, 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 don't, have, I don't share any of the guy's philosophical um, outlooks at all, but he's an articulate guy and I like to check in with him every now and then. But Anjam, yeah. Anjam went to prison, you know, because he was convicted of... Um, basically trying to provide support for terrorist groups like Islamic State, at least moral support, if not uh, financial. Mm. Now, you could park that for a minute. Um, Anjam has been welcomed back to Twitter, and I can't get anywhere near Twitter. <laughs> and I know you can't either. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to speak to him on the programme about this next week. But that's, that's a phrase that keeps coming back to me. That is vaudeville, isn't it? It really is. It it really is. And 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 you know, to be quite honest, I mean, I'm glad that Anjam is back on yeah. on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> Me too. That, that, that's 
that's good. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm all for um, people having a right to express their opinions. But I think Elon Musk is going to have to work extremely hard because uh, I, I noticed that, I mean, there's another political organization called Britain First. Now, I've got no affiliations to them whatsoever and, and don't really care for them. But I noticed that at the same time as they opened up a new account, they opened up a new account on Twitter, uh, a fresh account, having been banned uh, at the same time as Anjam was opening his. They were banned. He's not. So what I think the pro the problem is not Mr. Chowdhury or not Britain First. The problem is the absolute woke clown show that is the moderation on on Twitter. And honestly, you know, Richie, I, I don't hold high hopes for what's going to happen because the, um, Musk is going to have to sack, you know, probably all of them, I would think, would be a good start and try and start again, but he can't do that. So they won't have people. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I would go back, Richie, to be brutally honest, because it is. Did you notice Elon Musk said, you know, he doesn't want it turning into a hellscape? Yes. Well, heads up. It is a hellscape. I mean, anyone who watches Twitter, I'd watch it, uh, you know, on a, but I mean, I'm happily in other platforms. Um, it, it's full of the worst people. It really, really is. And uh, you're not allowed to say the truth, Richie. You mustn't say things about ivermectin. I mean, how old has to, how is that? You mustn't criticize the vaccine. You mustn't criticize Zelensky in Ukraine. I mean, what sort of a platform is it, Richie, I ask you? It's madness. Uh, it really is. I know that's an overused term, madness. It was interesting to me today re reading the Times or the Telegraph. I can't remember which. I read both, as I'm sure you do when you get the chance. Mm. Mm. But, but a, a Cambridge professor has mooted, and he's deadly serious. He's not being funny. He's suggesting that students who enter university in the future, that they sign a waiver accept, accepting and acknowledging that they are going to hear things that they might find repugnant or completely disagreeable. I went to uni, you went to uni, I can't yeah. believe that. It, it's got so bad that you might have to say, right, students, you've got to sign a waiver that, uh, acknowledging that you might be upset and you might be horrified and you might be shocked. This is clown world. Yeah, yeah but, that, but it is. But, but it's where we are. I mean, this is why I counsel people, Richie, not to go to university. If you want to get yourself an education, don't go to university. That's how it is in 2022. Apart from, okay, maybe maybe some subjects you can make a case for. But, you know, like I, I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm a lot older now, but I can still remember my time at university. And, uh, you know, we, we relished hearing all kinds of stuff and experiencing all kinds of stuff. Whatever has happened to the, to the, to the characters of young people that they collapse into, you know, shuddering heaps, lest they encounter, <laughs> you know, something like, oh, there's two genders. Yeah. Oh my God, did he just say there's two genders? Yeah, there are, and all the rest of it. You know, they. Um, I don't know if people can grow up at university anymore, Richie. That's maybe the point. Good point. That I mean, you, you, I, I don't like um, pigeonholing people or labelling people, but you, I suppose, would have described yourself as a unionist at one time. I can. Imagine if you were in university as a unionist and you, you hear that, you know, maybe a, a Republican politician is coming to have a chat. Like the last thing in the world you would have done back then was tried to get him cancelled or her cancelled. You'd have been rubbing your hands going, well, I'm going to turn up. I'm going to have a few things to say to him. That's how it used to be, right? But not anymore. 
Exactly. That's but but and that's exactly how we all grow and learn, Richie. That's that is the point. You you don't actually really learn from having from an, an inhabiting an echo chamber where all you ever hear is the things that you think. And, and that's always been how I've operated. I love to hear the uh, opposing points of view. And actually, to be honest, you over the years, uh, you know, maybe it's a, it is a sign of wisdom. Um, you, then you realise that yeah, these people have some really good points, and that helps you. Move, move your opinion as well. Uh, I think it would be a very strange person who, uh, you know, b b sort of 20 years, 40 years after university believes everything that they did believe then. But if you live in a perpetual echo chamber, you're never going to change. So students should be exposed to the most diverse and indeed some of them extreme views. They should be if they're going to grow up. But as you say, you know, some of them now, I think, um, I just look at them with, I don't know, Rich, yeah, maybe I've been around too long, but I look at them and think, God love them. They are just not getting the experience that you and I got. And that's sad. And, it has to be regretted. And be before I ask you about migration, maybe you'll give us a quick answer to this. I've, I'm less inclined in recent weeks to, you know, to criticise and mock them because I think they might be the most targeted generation maybe in, in my lifetime, in terms of the propaganda they're bombarded with through social mm. media and, mm. and the devices. And, and maybe, you know, a lot of this is really not their fault. I mean, they are being subjected to wicked propaganda. Well, you see, that's a great point, because, look, the, the, again, a difference between, say, us and them is they are living on their phones, on their computers, on their iPads, whatever it is. They're 24-7 embedded in essentially the matrix, if you like. So maybe, as you say, if we're being charitable about it, we should we should think that, that these kids are propagandized on a scale that we can't imagine because it wasn't like that nor I mean there wasn't even an internet in my day you know so uh, uh there was a telephone though I just want to make it clear I'm not a million years old but oh you're not, <laughs> was, not at all. Uh, you know but yeah so so they're they're in this 24/7 uh in a world of twitters and facebooks and tiktoks and all the rest of it and I suppose that but but that's unhealthy, you see, Richie. That's the other thing I would have to say. That is unhealthy. Uh, you know, I would urge young people as well as not going to university, put down the mobile devices and walk away and experience life. I think that's a uh, that would be something that they should consider doing if they want to be fulfilled people. Well said, David. Altnewsmedia.net. You'll find David's podcast on iTunes and other providers as well. David Vance is the editor of Altnewsmedia.net. The the Prime Minister of Albania gave an interview to, I think, Newsnight last night on the BBC, and he said something that on the face of it sounds reasonable, right? Um, he said, basically, that what they should do here in the UK is similar to what the Germans did when Germany was up um, the Swanee with immigration. That what they should do, basically, is tighten up the systems, right? They should introduce a visa system here in the UK for skilled workers from the Balkans, provided that these people learn to speak English first before they come here. And at the same time, toughen their controls on people entering illegally. So this guy, Eddie Rama, he said, look, we've got a huge problem here. Um, why don't you let skilled workers in who can prove they can speak English while tightening up? You've got a lot of job vacancies in the country. That would suit you. What's your response to that? Yeah, no. No, that, right. that's my response to that. Yeah, I heard, I heard this. In, I, I heard this argument being advanced earlier this morning as well uh, by others. And uh, no, I, I, I 
totally take issue with this. Uh, I don't, I mean, listen, listen, I am not opposed, Richie, in principle to lawful immigration. Immigration which is controlled, which is specified, which uh, fills a particular gap in a particular country. That That's fine. I'm obviously illegal um, um, migration. Well, it's an oxymoron. Instantly deport, but but the argument that he's saying that, 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 that the Albanian guy is saying is, oh, it sounds ever so nice. But then, well, how about then? You, well, number one, you've set a precedent. So, which other parts of the world will you then make exceptions for? And why can't we find people? There's five million people in the UK. I don't think working. So, why can't some of them do some of the jobs? Uh, and and also, um, you know, like. Frankly, the best place for Albanians is surely in Albania. And if it's not the best place for Albanians, isn't that something, Richie, that the Albanian prime minister should be dealing with? Should be dealing than, with, yeah. You know, r- rather than him trying to say, oh, yeah, well, OK, UK, you, you take my boys and, uh, you know, give them a one year. V-. No, absolutely not. We've got too many. We need to get tough. No, we won't because I completely believe that this British government is not interested in controlling immigration. But I'm just saying a lot of British people, I'm sure I'm just one of them, would take a view that, well, hey, you know, there's a re- we, 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 we voted in 2016 to take control of our borders, not to have a perpetual uh, exchange system with countries like Albania, which is ridden with criminality, by the way, as well, as I'm sure you probably know. So, no, I totally reject the scheme. And, you know, not a single reporter, at least not anyone that I heard anyway, either out of ineptitude or because they can't go there. But none of them wanted to talk about, you know, a potential brain drain on the Albanian people. I mean, that's the obvious thing. If you're a journalist and you've got a guy yeah. saying, take our skilled people, my question to him would have been, well, Mr. Prime Minister, um, is that not going to be a problem for your country, you know, if your skilled people are coming here and elsewhere? But, yeah. but none of them asked him that question. No, because they're absolute cards. And, and, and Richie, yes, I mean, I mean, that is also a really good point, as usual, you make. Because so we then would drain Albania like we've drained the Philippines, like we've drained other countries around the world by taking some of their, for example, a lot of care workers and whatnot from the from, from the Philippines. Uh, th- this, I think, is wrong. I think it's uh, the, the, the responsibility lies in this United Kingdom to train people into the different areas where there's need. Um, but but I also have to say I, I actually think there's a revenge of the remainers aspect to this. I, I think there are people who deeply deeply resent the fact that we left the European Union, and who deeply resent the fact that uh, okay there was at least a superficial effort made to try and say oh yeah we've taken back control, and they resent that so much that um, they're very happy to see all the stuff that we see going across the channel at the moment. You know um, they 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 want us to be open to the world and um yeah well they might they might have their way if we look at some of the demographic stats that came out today we we can see that you know countries like the uk uh, and ireland as you know richie are demographically being changed dramatically but honestly i mean i'd like to know who in the uk really thinks that the very thing we need is about twenty thousand young albanian men of fighting age who actually thinks that outside the metropolitan elitists in the media it's 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 a really interesting point. Look, I could go down the road of, because I looked at the stats in terms of the nationality uh, makeup of migrants or 
illegal migrants coming to the country this year and there are still a lot of Afghans and Iraqis. Now, as an old lefty, you know, I'll always point to the damage done to these countries by the wars of aggression waged by Blair and Bush and others. And you'll say, you know, you kind of reap what you sow, but we don't have to go into that because we don't have a lot of time. But I do want to make this point just to back you up, regardless of how you feel about it. Uh, My sympathies would be kind of with your argument, to be honest, right, even though I'm an immigrant in this country myself. But look, there are millions of people on NHS waiting lists. Millions more can't get a dental appointment. I'm not making this up. It's an ordeal to try and get an appointment face-to-face with the GP. And there is a huge shortage of affordable homes for the existing population. So if you take that series of problems, which does exist, which do exist, and then you say, right, let's let tens of thousands of people into the country, it's disaster. That's what it yeah. is. Uh, yeah, and, and actually, Richie, can I just say, I, I, I'll deal with the second point in a second, but uh, what, what you talked about, your old lefty sort of views regarding what we did in countries like Afghanistan and Libya and Syria, you yeah. may be surprised to, or not surprised to know that I've come around to have a lot of sympathy with that particular argument. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> just FYI, okay. Yeah. But on, 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 on the point of substance, right, here's the thing. Uh, I, I saw, is it in, in Kent, which is one of the counties I think most impacted by 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 what I consider a tsunami of illegal migration. Um, apparently, in some of the schools in uh, is it in Tunbridge Wells or uh, Canterbury? Can- yeah, Canterbury. Um, in year seven and nine, there are no vacancies for local kids. They cannot get into those schools. Why? Because those schools are packed with the kids of migrants, and they're in. So. I mean, that's a very, very practical and any parent, I'm sure, living in Kent. And if you're in Canterbury or wherever and you're trying to get your kids into school into you know, year seven, year nine, and you can't because it's, they're, they're full of Albanians. Or, and maybe not just Albanians. Don't want to just single them out particularly. But but you know uh, these the, this 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 tide of illegal uh, migration that that's wrong. I mean that's just wrong. And so you know so so the the principle has to be one that 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 if we can't control our borders, we're not a country, and we should stop pretending to be a country and accept all the consequences come from it. You know. But this is where there's a deceit going on, Richie, because the political class at Westminster, you know, keep pretending that they can do something. And yet I believe they're working to facilitate this tide of migration that's changing the United Kingdom. I have zero confidence in their bona fides in terms of controlling our borders. You, you'll you have heard the term Kalergi plan before. So people listening yep. to this programme and some of my guests um, that I've interviewed over the years, over the last 10, 15 years, they, and some very clever people, Jim Mars, God rest him, incredibly bright journalist, a Texan. Jim used to say, Richie, regardless of where, because I used to be a proper, you know, old lefty, and I'd be giving Jim a lot of stick about stuff, saying, you know, we're all God's creatures, we're all human beings, why can't we all live together and and stop this, you know, worrying about migrants and stuff. This is what I used to say, being the devil's advocate as much as anything else. So Jim used to say to me, look, this is the way it is, Richie. There is a plan made for humanity, and it's unfolding now. And as we come to the end of the 
uh, 20th century and we get into the 21st century, this plan is speeding up. And there is something known as the Kalergi plan, and it is where elites um, kind of head off opposition to their plans by pitting people against one another using tools like mass migration. Now, I've come to have mm-hmm. a lot of sympathy for that point of view, that it's a deliberate uh, policy so that we will get riled up about these things. And I'm not saying you do, you don't necessarily get riled up about it, but that we all talk yeah. about it and we other people, well, they go on with their great reset agendas. What do you think? Yeah, I, I absolutely have. I, I, I believe that. It's as simple as that. I, I do think that, the, that one of the great games that they're very good at is dividing us against each other. Uh, you know, we've seen it in the island of Ireland, yeah. Richie. We've seen how successful that's worked for, for, for elites. Doesn't work well for the people, and so so we have to be careful that we are not manipulated. You're, you're dead right, but uh, you know. But on, again, on the specific topic, it's, it would be very hard not to be you know angry if you couldn't get your kids into school because the kid the the the, the, the places have been taken by by children from another country. You know, so uh, we don't want to play into their games of allowing the division. Um, and actually, ultimately, that's why, I mean, I, I, I don't even blame them. I don't blame the migrants. They come here because clearly there's a better standard of life in the UK than in places like Albania. So I fully understand that. Uh, and, and that applies for, for many of the groups of people who come here. But the point is that we elect a government to control who comes to our country. And if they won't do that, which they won't. And the reason they want that, I do believe, is to do with Kalergi, Great Reset and all the rest of it. Then then I, I think we do have to stand up and, uh, you know, uh, at least express our, 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 our contempt for the politicians. I don't think we should get angry at the people trying to come here. I don't think, even though, I mean, you know, there, there's, there's some of them involved in criminal gangs and we know some of the stuff that goes on. But the, it's our politicians, Richie. That's where my ire lies. These are the people who are betraying um, well, I was going to say the UK, but they're betraying Ireland, they're betraying France. I mean, you name your country. They're, they're, they're being betrayed from within by their own politicians. And one of the mechanisms for betrayal is, for betrayal is this massive um, illegal migration. And I do, Richie, also, I mean, I talk to, probably like yourself, I talk to Amer- American folks, friends, quite a bit. And, and, and sometimes I think they, they wonder at us in the UK when we talk about, oh, we've got 40,000 migrants coming across the channel it's the end of the world as we know it and they talked and they point to their southern border and they say have have you seen the numbers <laughs> have you seen the numbers we're talking millions, millions coming across the southern border do you know what i mean so forty thousand versus a couple of million and we're getting agitated it makes you think as well it's just context i suppose yeah and the mainstream media of course goes out of its way to reduce these important and nuanced subjects into a series of simple absolutes and label those who dare to ask questions about the the sanity of these policies you know they they label them as bigots and as right wing nuts it's it, it's it was yep. always those let me ask you one final question very interested in a priest who came out of retirement momentarily in Listowel in Kerry on our island and uh, yeah. he, he came out to uh, cover a priest uh, to do a mass and during the mass he talked about you know transgenderist stuff and he didn't like it and he said you know that homosexuality is a sin now listen I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not woke and I don't I'm not, I'm not virtue signaling I don't agree with that but I absolutely agree with his right to speak out on, on this topic and amazingly just as I'm speaking with you the BBC has uh, flashed up a story 
that says the Bishop of Oxford has said this afternoon that the Church of England clergy should be allowed to bless and to marry gay couples. This is doc, the right Reverend Dr. Stephen Croft said he was sorry mm. uh, his views on same-sex marriage were slow to change, but they've changed. Now, I know a lot of gay men and women, but they're older gay men and women. And they're, yeah. they're bewildered by this. They don't want the church to change for them. They totally accept that the church has the right to believe and to teach whatever it wants. But the backlash against this uh, retired priest in Ireland yesterday oh, yeah. and today, a Church of England uh, bishop is saying we should marry gay couples. Um, your reaction to that? Well, well, in the, well. To, first of all, Father Sheeney, I think that I mean the the, the amount of uh, sort of, um, of abuse thrown towards him. He he was speaking in a place of worship to a congregation, and he was speaking. People might agree with him, but there are Christian values, you know. Um, wh- wh- why is that wrong? And, and Richie, what a what a what an irony that in Ireland of all places, you're not allowed to speak. Christian views yeah. uh, and values in in in, in a pl- in a Christian place of worship. So uh, I completely agree with his right to say whatever he wants. I and I think it's despicable the way he's been attacked. Uh, I did a, a wee thing on it myself earlier. That's horrible. As for our friends in the Church of England, well, I mean, the Church of England has but a passing acquaintance with Christianity, as far as I see it, at this point in 2022. You know, uh, this is a very woke uh, church. Uh, its numbers are declining horrifically. So, I mean, you know, ultimately, you, you you can judge the success of the Church of England by the fact that it's they, they typically speak to empty pews, uh, and even actually that that, that priest, uh, Father Sheeney, I think there was thirty people, I think, in the chapel when he was talking to them. Yeah. So, uh, but of that, of that thirty, what an irony, Richie! Of that thirty, at least one of them was so infuriated that they videoed it because <laughs> I've seen the video as you probably have, and uh, I'm thinking. Well, who are you worshipping in this church then exactly? Why were you there? Why were you there? there? I mean, I don't go to church because these are, listen, again, I'm not virtue signalling here. These are not views that I particularly share. That's why I don't go. But how how outrageous it would be for me to say, well, this shouldn't happen. He shouldn't be allowed to speak to his congregation. Of course, I would never think that. And like I said, the gay men and women I know, they they think it's preposterous that he would be silenced and shut down. They've known, gay men and women have known for years that um, Christianity, that that Islam, I don't know too much about Judaism, but, but, you know, frown on uh, on them and on their on their lifestyles, so it's it's crazy. It, it it's a strange, well, weird time. Well, do you know, Reggie, final thing for me. Like ultimately, uh, the the essence of Christian faith, and I think most faith, a lot of faiths work on the principle of this thing called sin. And and in the Christian faith, you know, we're all we're all sinners, all of us. We're all men and women of, with feet of clay. None of us is perfect, you know. So when I heard this priest. Uh, saying what he said, I thought to myself, well, that's consistent with what I would see as the views of the Catholic Church. And uh, well, or at least what would historically have been seen as the views of the Catholic Church. And again, because everything's changing and because our society is being completely contorted, uh, you know, he's now a bad guy. And uh, I mean, he's retired. So I guess they can't punish him as much as if he was if he was still in in sort of permanent position. But uh, yeah, it's a it it, it speaks, uh, Richie, for the state of Ireland as well, that even that this media storm should descend upon this poor uh, poor priest who, in my opinion, was was simply 
exactly speaking the things that he genuinely believed. And people are welcome to think 100% opposite. That's fine. But again, part of the world we're living in, Richie, it's about closing down opinion. And that's why it's important what you do, uh, that you get different opinions out there. And I think that's the that's the life and sort of soul of uh, of a civilized society. The way forward. I hope we talk before Christmas, David. Altnewsmedia.net. David is a podcast host. You'll find him on iTunes and other platforms. And the editor of Altnewsmedia. Do check it out. Great to have you on, pal. And Cheers, always Richie. a pleasure. Speak again. Take care. You Bye-bye. too, David. Bye for now. David Vance live on the Richie Allen Show Thursday's program. It's just gone six o'clock, and it's nil nil over there in Sociedad. I'm going to do it, Annie. I'm going to give you the updates. Manchester United need to win by two clear goals to advance as group winners in the Europa League Group E. But uh, it's nil-nil after something like 10 minutes there. I don't have it on in the studio. I could have, but I'm such a professional, he says. Not really. I'm not always professional, but I could have it on in studio, but I wouldn't do that to my guest, David Vance, or anybody else. So I've not got it on the telly, but I'll keep an eye on the text service from the BBC. What do you think of what David had to say? I mean, it is preposterous. I mean, I I think there was a time, not too long ago, when Irish comedians who, while not agreeing with Father Sheehy, while not agreeing with him, would have had a proper go at the Irish media on the basis of, well, what do you expect to hear about homosexuality inside a Christian church like? I mean, what would you expect like? You know? Yeah, but no, no, they all pile in, don't they? Uh, Scaramouche says there is a UN programme in play which the Conservative government of a few years ago uh, was the first to sign up to. That Conservative government went to court and took out a gagging order so that no politician or news media can talk about it under threat of prison for hate speech. You'll have to send me more details, Scarlett. It's a bit vague there. Which UN programme are we talking about? Help me out. Isabel says, Richie, this illegal immigration wave might be planned so as to eventually justify to the public the necessity of digital IDs with permanent police checks. Now, I think Isabel might be onto something here. One of the... In the screaming match that has taken place on the mainstream media, and it has been a screaming match, right, with lefties against righties about migration, the the conservative commentators have been screaming that the migrants, the illegal migrants, are deliberately throwing away their ID before they get to the UK, so that they can't be identified and so easily deported from the country. I think Isabel might be onto something here, that this might be one of the payoffs, because when you see an agenda at play, it is, I think it's clever to, to, to think or to imagine, there's more than just one agenda. This is not just about dividing people. It is about that, but it's about other things as well. You know? Yes, to accept digital IDs and permanent police checks, at least the digital IDs. Anyway, Faisal agrees with that. Tony says that he thinks David Vance is wrong. If we change the law, he says this stops. The Kalergi plan is old hat, says Tony. This is about Agenda 2030. Uh, He says the one 
the, the, the UN is behind Agenda 2030 and he says the politicians in Westminster are effectively traitors to Tony. Tony, you better be careful. Not not from me, pal. You can say what you want here. But they're, they're looking at that online harms bill thing and there is a provision in there to send the old bill after people who use inflammatory language like traitors lest, lest you inspire somebody to attack a politician, they will invoke, no doubt, the name of Sir David Amos, the politician who was murdered in his constituency office. So that's one of the things, traitor. It's coming pretty soon. You will not be allowed to call a politician or a public servant a traitor. You will be arrested for that. Don't laugh. You will be under incitement to violence law. Uh, Jenny says, Faradkar said today they found accommodation for all the Ukrainians who came to Ireland in October. Strange they can't find accommodation for Irish people uh, or even people from elsewhere who have been in Ireland for a long time. Shambhala says the Albanian migrant stuff is a cut and paste job straight from the wag the dog script. It's easy to see through. Chris says modern slavery is alive and well in the UK. Slavery is about profit and lots of people are making a fortune. Yes, you mentioned earlier on Serco or somebody else did. I think it was you. Yeah, it's, it's a point worth uh, repeating. Annette says, Richie, both my sister and brother work for Royal Mail. They are both, says Annette, they are both very dedicated workers. Not far into the convict scam, I told them I thought that the plan was to run Royal Mail into the ground and let Amazon take over. The strikes will help that process along, says Annette. The attack on the decent, hard-working population of this country is truly evil, I believe. Annette, you've got a very good point there, I think. Yes. Amazon will take over the delivery of parcels and to a lesser extent companies like DPD. Is that what it's called, DPD? But, but, but I think you're right. But also, of course, Amazon will take the place of all the high street shops and businesses uh, and we see them disappearing off high streets right across the country already, don't we? I do anyway. I spent a couple of um, afternoons in Manchester during the studio rebuild and I was stunned at what I saw. Yes. Now, it's coming up for seven minutes past six. In a few moments' time, Kevin Barrett will be live from Madison, Wisconsin. I'm looking forward to catching up with Kevin. It's been quite a while. Keep those comments coming in, please. It's richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live. That's how to reach me. I look forward to your comments. Uh, This is the Marshall Tucker Band. It's one of my favourite chill-out tunes of all time. It's called Can't You See? Can't You See? the Marshall Tucker Band and can't you see ten and a half minutes past six this Thursday November 3rd uh, on the Richie Allen show yeah thanks for your comments I'm going to read some more of them in a moment just after I do this thank you for your comments lots of them today cold seasonal flu and respiratory diseases we all get them never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack now more than ever it's essential to have a robust immune system inspired by the Zelenko protocol Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient giving your immune 
immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code, RichieAllen365, at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. Not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Welcome back. Ray from Edinburgh. Ray called in last night. Really good call, like all the calls. How are you doing, Ray? He says, Widdicombe is right, Richie. The standard of politicians is poor, very poor, compared to the 80s. For example, people like John Smith, of course, who died, didn't he? His death led to the uh, election of Tony Blair to the leader of the Labour Party and also Blair as Prime Minister. So he says, John Smith, Robin Cook, Malcolm Rifkind, uh, Donald Dewar, Willie Whitelaw, to name but a few examples from across the floor. They had real-life experience and defended their positions eloquently and when the time came, they were sensible ministers, says Ray. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Comment live. It is richieallen.co.uk. You can leave a comment during the live show and engage with the opinions of others. Banjo says anyone who knows how the economy works should know why governments like immigration. It works the same as universities and bums on seats. For every person that is in employment, the government can borrow money off the International Monetary Fund. The more people in work, the more they can borrow. If nobody was in work, they wouldn't generate any taxes to pay back the loans, says the banjo. Thank you, pal. Abdel says, I've been told that most of the people coming over here have not been jabbed. Who's told you that, pal? He says, that is a good thing because they can give us a hand burying the dead next January. Jesus, that's pessimistic in the extreme. Uh, Chris Morell says, apparently there are over half a million Romanians here. I'm completely overwhelmed. All her bloody clothes and stuff filling up the place, says Chris. Thank you, Chris. William says, I think immigration should now be, to an extent, halted indefinitely. Not because I'm against it, but because immigration to the UK has clearly now become unmanageable and out of control. Criminal networks are cashing in, and of course one of the biggest criminal networks is our very own government. That's William Henderson in Scotland. Thanks, William. Hi to Jane, who says, so glad I tuned in tonight. Loving the show, she says. Thanks to Richie and to David Vance. You're very kind, Jane. David just sent me a text message. He says, Richie, I've moved all the alt news media stuff to davidvance.net. So he's put all of his work now onto davidvance.net, right? So that's the website, davidvance.net. He just sent me a text there. Uh, good, uh, good, good job. Check him out, by the way. Um, it's nice to engage with people. You know, with, uh, with with whom we don't always, you know, agree or see eye to eye. Shall we get Kevin Barrett on the line? What can I tell you about Kevin Barrett you don't already know? He's a broadcaster, an author, he's a researcher, he's an academic. And he's always welcome on this programme. The great Kevin Barrett, you're very welcome back. How are you? Hey, it's always good to be with you, Richie. It's been too long, pal. It's been six or seven months since we've uh, we've chatted. So, genuinely warm welcome. Delighted that you're back on. So much to get into. Uh, let's have a good old row. No, we won't. We won't. We won't have a good old row. <laughs> tell, tell me what's going on in Iran. But before you tell me, 
I'll because I've not really shared any of my thoughts on this with my listeners. I wish I have a lot of sympathy with with Iran, the country, the, the the people of the country. I know that it's been targeted, it's been harassed, it's been you, you know it's the, the, the Western forces have tried to destroy it inside and outside for many many years. I know all of this, and and I re- appreciate that and respect it, of course. And I think the West should leave Iran well enough alone. But I know what the country was like before the overthrow of Mohammad Mosaddegh. And I just wish that the Iranian leadership might kind of come kicking and screaming a little bit into the 21st century. Um, I respect the, you, you know, the Islam. I respect the culture of the country. But I just wish on things like morality police and stuff, I wish that they just ease up a bit on that stuff. It is, after all, 2022. Now, I'm going to shut up. What's going on with these protests and the girls not wanting to wear... Uh, the hijab and the girls wanting to modernize. How do you see it? Well, Richie, it's it's certainly not like all Iranian girls don't want to wear hijab or anything like that. I mean, the the context here is that the the U.S. largely ran Iran after its 1953 coup installing the Shah and got kicked out with the 1979 Islamic Revolution, and the vast majority of Iranians supported uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini and his Islamic Republic. A small minority of Iranians, but disproportionately among the rich and educated classes, were uh, leftists or other forms of secularists who participated in that revolution and then felt that they wanted power. They didn't want to allow uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini to remain in power and to institute a theocracy. But those people represented a minuscule percentage of the population. And, and there was a referendum on uh, the Islamic Republic and I, I believe the hijab, if I recall, that passed with you know, 95% plus. And so the problem was that the secularists and leftists were essentially lining themselves up against the vast majority of the population of Iran. And some of them went ahead and sort of joined forces with the Islamic Republic, and they're still leftists represented in the Islamic Republic to this day. It's a socialist society in certain respects. But uh, some of them went over to the side of the enemy, and they sided with Saddam Hussein in the so-called imposed war of the 1980s when the United States armed Saddam Hussein with chemical weapons and other weapons and essentially gave him the green light to invade Iran and try and steal territory. And so the uh, group of leftists that essentially betrayed their country joined forces with Saddam Hussein. This was the MEK. Uh, the next, this is the beginning of the MEK terrorist group. So the U.S. has been supporting this MEK terrorist group, which is sort of like a combination of of Paul Pot and Charlie Manson and uh, Jonestown. Uh, ever since. And these people are despised by the vast majority of Iranians. And the U.S. has used them to murder more than 17,000 Iranians in terror attacks. These are the arch secularists that the U.S. is supporting. And that's one of the groups that the U.S. has paid to create all of these riots. What we're seeing is, yes, there are some legitimate demonstrations. There is legitimate uh, difference of opinion in Iran on the hijab, and it's certainly not along gender lines. I'm almost certain, Richie, that if you polled Iranian women, you would find that there are more Iranian women in favor of mandatory hijab than there are Iranian men in favor of mandatory hijab, because it's the it's the aunties and the grandmothers who keep the traditional culture in Iran. 
but what's really going on here has nothing to do with hijab. What it has, what it is, is it's a CIA-based regime change attempt. They've weaponized all of their assets in the Islamic Republic, whether it's separatists in Baluchistan or in Kurdistan, or whether it's Wahhabi uh, extremist ISIS types in the Arab-speaking parts of Iran. And those are the people that are doing the riots. They're CIA-paid provocateurs. And this whole thing is one big regime change attempt. And nobody of goodwill should say anything about it except to support the uh, people and the government of Iran in stopping this regime change attempt. We'll come back to the re- regime change attempt in a moment because you might very well be right there and I, I will I definitely have some sympathy with that point of view. But it's so it's so almost haphazard. It's so kind of cack handed an attempt to overthrow the regime. I mean it's obviously not going to work. It's it's kind of pathetic. So we'll come back to that in a moment. The reason I love you, and I've loved you ever since I first met you when I was on the radio in Spain, is because you're always honest. And unlike a lot of other commentators, you're honest and you say that there is some legitimate protest there, even if it's a small one. Now, I don't know if you're right about the majority female opinion being, yes, we want the the hijab, but you might be right. So I'll concede that point. So does a part of you you know, as somebody who admires, um, I mean, you are a Muslim, and I know you admire um, the way of life in Iran. Does a part of you think that, you know, meeting people halfway is, is, is never a bad thing? Wouldn't it be a good thing if the leadership, again, modernised somewhat and did, you know, say to the, the, the youth of the country, you know, look, we're not going to be sending morality police around. If it's a thing you don't want to wear the hijab, well, look, we'll leave that up to your own personal choice. So much of this stuff could be just offset with a little bit of common sense. What do you think? Well, first, Richie, that would not stop the uh, rioting and the terrorism, which has been uh, nonstop, you know, it comes in waves. And of course, the, the CIA tries to coordinate their terrorism and rioting with the social movements in Iran. So when they can get the privileged sort of secularist element of the rich Iranian bourgeoisie of North Tehran uh, to get angry about the outcome of the 2008 elections, then they pay their assets to riot and so on and, and, and stage terrorist attacks. Uh, and of course, this is all pretty counterproductive. It doesn't legitimize these protest movements at all. Uh, so so this is, it, it's not going to solve the problem. You know, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the former president of Iran, is in favor of lifting the mandatory hijab. And is he? he's he's considered he's considered a conservative and a you know fire breathing supporter of the Islamic Revolution, but that's that's his opinion on the hijab issue. And likewise, there are, there's a wide spectrum of opinion on that issue in Iran. But it's not that's not the issue right now. The issue right now is the rioting, destruction, and terrorism that's being paid for by the CIA. Now that said, personally, I don't believe that mandatory hijab is uh, a part of uh, Islam. I actually, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the idea of modesty, which of course does apply a bit more to women than to men, because men are aroused to sexual aggression through the eyeball. And that's why there are millions of porn type magazines uh, showing women's bodies aimed at men and very, very few showing men's bodies aimed at women because we're biologically wired differently. And so in Islam, we, we want a society in which there is an absolute minimum of friction 
in public spaces. We don't want to get people all juiced up and competitive and aggressive with each other and sexualized and so on. And this has been a problem in all societies. And so, but Islam sort of codifies it and supports modesty. And so the issue is, you know, how do you have a dress code and other codes of public behavior that support modesty? And the hijab has actually worked pretty well in Iran. Before the Islamic Revolution in Iran, women lived in fear of male sexual aggression. In the immediate aftermath of the Islamic Revolution, suddenly thousands and thousands of female hitchhikers blossomed out in Tehran, uh, wearing the hijab and thereby declaring, I'm not a piece of meat. And, and the men in the Ilan that followed the revolution became much less predatory and started seeing women as their spiritual sisters because the hijab says, I'm a spiritual being, I'm not a piece of meat. So that's what it means in the context of an Islamic dress code. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And, and so I, I think that should be a debate that's left to the people of Iran to figure out. But I do think overall, Richie, that it's just absolutely pathetic the way that uh, traditional countries, not just Islamic ones, have quote unquote modernized by aping Western dress. Yeah, It's pathetic. The West conquered the world brutally and genocidally and imposed its culture on all of these countries. And so many of these countries just started aping their genocidal colonizers by dressing like the genocidal colonizers. Why should they? Why shouldn't people keep their traditional dress codes? So if I were in charge of Iran, I would like to see a mandatory dress code applying to everybody, male and female, no Western dress at all. Everybody dress in traditional Islamic garb, the kind of garb that people had before the West conquered and colonized that part of the world. We won't waste too much time on that because... Our, our listeners know, and you know, that I don't agree with that. I don't believe that governments or religious leaders should be imposing dress codes on anyone. Um, but I, I, I have the ultimate respect for people's choices. You know, I, I've encountered Islam. You know, I, I travel in North Africa uh, briefly, but I encountered, I encountered it in Manchester when I lived in Manchester, meeting Libyan um, uh, people there and Pakistani people there. And there's so much to admire about you know, about their, about how Islam relates to their behaviour and to how, you know, they treat their fellow man and woman. So a lot, a lot of time for, um, for, for, I don't, I don't want to say Islamists, but, but, but Muslims that I've met over the years, but I don't believe that any government should impose on people, you know, standards like down to, down to what you should wear. But you do, and I respect that you do. I've got two comments here, which are very interesting. Colin says, how can you possibly respect Islam if you know the first thing about it? Well, I know a little bit about it and I do respect it. That's my uh, opinion. Patricia says, is it wrong to suggest that the Zionist controlled media is making this situation look worse than it actually is? Well, I'll put that to Kevin. Kevin, just just um, briefly, because we, we could argue about this all night long. I don't know for a fact that a young woman was beaten to death by the morality police. I don't know that for a fact. But I also don't know that it didn't happen. And if it did happen, it's terrible. But I'm going to put a caveat on that. Um, the police in this country, the police in the United States, the police in Israel, um, are pretty handy at beating people up and killing them as well. So uh, it's it's not a stone that anyone in this part of the world should be throwing at the Iranian authorities. But as we're talking about Iran... If it did happen, it's pretty lousy. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's not clear at all what happened. I've I just wrote an article about this, and people can find that article at my Substack, which is kevinbarrett.substack.com. 
and I, I published that just a day or two ago in Crescent International Magazine, which is the leading Islamic magazine on public affairs. And the, my take on it here is that it's I can't I don't see how it could possibly be a coincidence that the very day after Iran joined the Shanghai Cooperation uh, Cooperation Organization and made itself even more of a pillar of this international group that's challenging U.S. world dominance, that the very next day, less than 24 hours later, we had this incident where Masa Amini uh, died, allegedly, of injuries she sustained during a beating, although the evidence for that is quite weak. The video of her collapsing shows a courtroom in which she's she's in it's, it looks like a kind of a, a parking ticket court in the United States. But this is the kind of courtroom, I guess, you go to if you have some kind of, uh, you know, hijab parking ticket thing. So she's in this in this courtroom with uh, lots of other people and she's sitting down and then she gets up and goes to another part of the courtroom. And I guess she gets into an altercation with a female officer there, a verbal altercation. There's no physical violence whatsoever. And then she just suddenly collapses and then the people rush to help her. So the uh, the Zionist media story is that she was supposedly injured during a police beating like the day before or something like that. And but in this video taken as she collapses, uh, she looks fine. She's talking. She's chatting. She's moving around the courtroom perfectly in perfect condition. No injuries whatsoever that you could possibly see. She looks uh, healthy and then she suddenly collapses. Well, the uh, Western Zionist propaganda media uh, broadcast this this stuff from the so-called Iranian opposition, which is really the CIA people in Iran, claiming that the government, you know, when the government investigated, they said that she collapsed because she had like she'd had a brain aneurysm and had been operated on that for that. And so our propaganda media told us that that was not true, that she had never had any such operation. They just made it up. Well, after an investigation, it turns out that was true. She really had had her brain operated on. So it, if you add up all of this, it's not at all clear that she really died from a police beating. And I don't believe that any evidence has surfaced that there was any such beating. But maybe it has. I don't know. If it did happen, that's terrible. Uh, police beatings are horrible and they happen all over the world. All over the uh, world, yeah. In any case, the CIA would have fabricated an event like this and they fabricated others. There have been a couple of other cases like this now where they've claimed that women, attractive young women are beaten to death. And in my article, I point out that this is a perfect match almost for Edward Bernays' campaign, Torches of Freedom, which had the same theme, attractive young women that we all are invited to sympathize with are standing up for freedom by lighting cigarettes all at the same time. And the newsreel footage of that doubled the cigarette industry's market back in the 1930s. One event, one public relations stunt did that. Now, this is the same thing in Iran. The CIA has organized a public relations stunt. The theme of it is attractive young women who are standing up for a female freedom are the being being brutalized and so this this is uh we, we need to know when we're being manipulated and obviously we are being manipulated and so are the people of iran by these cia mind control specialists who have studied people like edward bernays and before i get the emails i'll i'll, I'll do that thing which i do which probably annoys kevin but i'll do it anyway uh, there will be Jewish listeners to the program, people I know in Manchester who will say, there the guys go again with the Zionist media this and the Zionist media that. The entire Western media, 
not all of it, um, you know, infiltrated by Zionist zealots, um, were running this story about Iran. And somebody also sent a message to me saying that the Iranian authorities have not denied that this woman was was killed uh, in police custody. Kevin Barrett is our guest. It's always brilliant to have Kevin on the programme. Scaramouche says, back in, uh, before 1953, Iran was the same as the West, same dress sense and same way of life. It was a, pretty much a utopia. I'll get Kevin's thoughts on that in a second. Diane says, the West is a mess, but theocracy isn't the answer. Frankly, I like camouflage and green, says Diane, but I wouldn't make that a dress code. Kevin, as brief as you can, because I want to talk about Joe Biden, and I want to talk about midterm elections for the crack, as we say in Ireland. So, as briefly as you can make it, was Iran the utopia under Mossadegh that I was taught it was when I went to university? Was it a secular heaven? Was it? No, of course not. I mean, this this is such nonsense. Uh, it, you know, Iran was was colonized by the British, uh, to some extent the Russians, and and the uh, you know when people talk about Iran being some kind of secular paradise, what they mean basically is that the people, the rich people in the capital, were wearing Western dress. That's what they mean. But if you look at the entire country in 1953, uh, I I don't know precisely what the literacy rates and poverty rates were, but they were really bad, really bad. Um, and in fact, even in 1979, uh, under the Shah of Iran, who was supposedly such a reformer who was you know, trying to build up education or, you know, he had that propaganda line anyway. But at that time, I think it was still like half the country was still illiterate and impoverished. And since then, the uh, Islamic Republic has made vast progress in uh, modernizing their country. They, just like the Sandinistas in Nicaragua and Fidel Castro in Cuba, they raised the literacy rate up. It's virtually uh, universal literacy now. They massively improved the educational situation, especially for women. Women were disproportionately illiterate in 1979. Today, the majority of college uh, students are female. So women have gained more than anyone from the Islamic Republic. And I've been there and I've worked with lots of female journalists and other uh, women professors and professionals there who are very proud of the Islamic Republic. This whole notion that some sort of medieval place where that oppresses women is just nonsense. Women are the first winners from an Islamic society in which they are no longer the subjects of sexual predation. And they know it. The vast majority of women, or at least the ones I've met in Iran, all know that. So this this whole propaganda line about what a paradise Iran was when more than half of its people were in extreme poverty and illiterate, especially the women back in 1953. Why? Because the rich people in Tehran looked like us. Boy, what short-sighted idiocy to say things like that. Very good. I'm not going to, to argue with you because I can't really, number one. And number two, there's so much anti, in this country anyway, um, Iranian and anti um Islam, in, in, particularly in the conservative media, uh, that it's good to get another point of view and another side of it. Kevin Barrett is our guest. Kevin, remind our listeners, before I ask you about your own country or um, the US in the midterms, where they should find you online, the best places to get to you. Uh, my Substack is the first place to look for. That's Kevin Barrett, K-E-V-I-N-B-A-R-R-E-T-T dot Substack dot com. KevinBarrett.substack.com. You're listening to the man 
who took on Fox News' heavyweight anchors way back when, when academics like Kevin were asking questions about 9-11. Um, a legend in the independent media in, in, in my book, Kev. Great to have you on. Now, so much we could get into in the next 10-15 minutes before we start running out of time. Your president, and I don't say this for a laugh, looks like he belongs in um, at home retired in a rocking chair, uh, being tended to by his family. He doesn't look well, um, making all sorts of mistakes. He's got cognitive issues. We could maybe talk about that. You've got the midterms coming up. You've got, you've got people standing in these elections saying, effectively saying that they will not accept the results of these elections unless the elections go their way and they are elected. I don't do the sensationalism. You don't do it either. But it looks like your country is a tinderbox at the moment. And that violence is... I think if I was in the States, I would imagine that the air itself was pregnant with the threat of violence over these issues. Does it feel that way there? That you're building to some, I don't know, massive conflict where people will take to the streets over, you know, the, the, the midterm elections, the Trump stuff. What? How does it feel to you? You're there in Wisconsin. Well, Richie, it doesn't really feel to me like suddenly everybody's going to rush out into the streets and start fighting and shooting each other just because it feels to me like there's a disconnect between the online sentiment, which is indeed overwrought, to say the least, yeah. and the actual real life you know, it, it just feels like I, I already was feeling this back when I was in the 9-11 truth movement in its early days, circa 2004 through 2006 or seven, that at that time we still remembered what it was like to do real world activism and get out into the you know, streets or the middle of campus and do a teach in and, you know, try and get crowds to do demonstrations and things like that. And it was still sort of residually possible then, but it was much harder because everybody was sort of sitting home and burrowing into the internet. And, you know, soon I discovered that it was a lot easier to reach lots and lots of people through the internet rather than going out into the real world. And so I, I think that it's, we're, we're living in this weird sort of matrix reality where there's a separation between what people are seeing in the media and the internet as opposed to real life. So all of the screaming at each other we see on the internet uh, may or may not translate into actual street fighting, but I don't have the sense that it will. Of course, it could be partly because I live out in the countryside. Uh, so the, I, you know, but when I go into Madison, Wisconsin, and look at this, the streets are pretty empty most of the time, and it's just hard for me to imagine that suddenly we would be in the middle of a kind of a revolutionary street fighting situation. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, Clifton says America is a time bomb. Civil war is coming soon, he says. Um, Kevin, your experience is different, although because of your rural uh, setting, the rural situation. I, I, I'd have to imagine you're right that a lot of this invective is probably most of it exclusively online. But yet, again, I know you can't trust the mainstream media, but like a lot, I've seen a lot of people on channels going around. Uh, various parts of the South and of the Midwest. And you've got people there saying, you know, we see this getting very, 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 very ugly. You know, the talk about stolen elections. You had Pelosi's husband was attacked, all of this stuff. And it feels to me like somebody or something is trying to stoke something. 
like like Clifton is alluding to on the website there, you know, some sort of riots anyway if it doesn't become an open civil war, but just, you know, get some riots going. Riots, you know, riots have always been a tool of the establishment, haven't they? Set people against one another. I mean, it is kind of crazy to watch people being interviewed about a gubernatorial race and saying that, you know, unless I win, I'm not going to agree with the result. It's That's the sort of stuff that sounds like it's designed to rile people up and get them angry, Kevin. What do you think? Yeah, Richie. I, I, if I were a paranoid conspiracy theorist, and some people think that is my job title, you know, I, would, I would think that somebody is conspiring to make us angry at each other and to try to get some violence going. You know, this Pelosi incident where Pelosi's husband was attacked by the guy with a hammer is really strange. And, you know, a lot of people have the so-called conspiracy theory that, that the, the Pelosi's husband was involved in some kind of a gay relationship or picked up this guy at a, at a gay bar or something. And well, maybe, but you know, uh, my first reaction was that that incident is so convenient. You know, it, it's, it's, it's an October surprise and it casts Pelosi as a victim and it's, it's going to be interpreted differently by the two sides. It's perfectly designed to whip up strife, but especially to favor the Democrats. And there's, it, it just smelled to me like a, a public relations stunt that could have been created. And the way they would create that kind of a stunt would be by using an MK Ultra or, or Monarch uh, mind control victim to, uh, to do the attack. And it just so happens I just wrote an article uh, with that theme for American Free Press yesterday, which it's up at my Substack. And uh, today I, I heard from a, uh, an eyewitness or a self-declared eyewitness that this guy that attacked Pelosi's husband was, he looks like the guy who was a member of a satanic cult uh, that participated in a human sacrifice event on uh, 20 years ago or almost 20 years ago. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if one of these sort of, you know, the, the, what ha these cults like Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was actually pretty kind and gentle compared to some of these people that do sexual blackmail on the high and mighty. There are satanic cults that recruit runaway youth in places. San Francisco is a hotbed of this. And they, they brainwash these kids, turn them into prostitutes, service the rich and powerful, collect blackmail material, uh, do it for fun and profit. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, the guy who was kicked out of the Church of Satan for being too evil and uh, prosecuted for the most vicious imaginable forms of child abuse. He beat the rap and then was promoted to be head of all U.S. military psychological operations. He allegedly is the godfather of a group of, uh, of pimps who run these kinds of kids in satanic uh, prostitution, Jeffrey Epstein blackmail type cults. And like I said, I have somebody tell, who's telling me that he thinks that this guy that attacked uh, Pelosi's husband looks an awful lot like a you know twenty years younger version of somebody that he had eyewitness uh, report of back back then. So it wouldn't surprise me if this whole thing is uh, essentially this this you know satanic blackmail pedophile wing of the intelligence community whipped this thing up uh, for propaganda purposes. But you wouldn't hang your hat on it because I always laugh when people, not you now, but when people say, oh, it looks very much like a guy from 20 years ago. I mean, come on, give me mm -hmm. a break. We're all very different yeah. over yeah. 20 years. But it, it might also be a genuine attack. I mean, from what I understand, and I am no expert on current affairs in the United States. I read the New York Times. I read the Washington Post. Um, 
God love me, but I do as part of uh, research for, for this job. But Pelosi is reviled by the right. Absolutely reviled. It's a, as hated as any uh, Democrat, I, I would I would argue maybe maybe save for Hillary Clinton maybe so it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that some idiot wanted to attack Pelosi and just said that he'd make do with her husband instead so it's it's up in the air this one really what about um, your president though I mean that is as creepy of course is is uh, no pun intended because he is a very creepy human being particularly around children. And I, I, I can stand over that comment. I mean, the video evidence is out there, people. He's a creepy guy. But he's certainly not compass mentis now, Kevin, is he? Uh, no, apparently not. He's, uh, of course, he's he's talked about his son, Bo Biden, dying in Iraq before. Yeah. Sort of reminds me of, of Ronald Reagan claiming that he was there when the tanks rolled in to liberate the concentration camps at, at the end of World War II. You know, it's uh, you, you have these 80-year-old presidents they sometimes you know, seem to get a little mixed up. But yeah, you're right. Biden is obviously not really running the world. You know, he's just 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 like Reagan wasn't. You know, Reagan was an actor. And Biden, yeah, he was sort of a, you know, a mafiosi chieftain of his kind back in the day. But at this point, I think he's just a front man for uh, a certain group of folks, uh, national security, state and oligarchs who are running the empire. But he's, it doesn't look good. It's bad optics. I don't know why they put him in in the first place. I guess they were able to stop uh, Bernie Sanders from getting the domination by using Biden, you know, in his appeal to black voters in South Carolina, I guess. I don't know why they picked him. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a pathetic specimen. And it's really surprising that this empire is hanging their hat on such a on front. On this man. guy. And, and I, I, I would have 20 bucks if I could get to a bookie who would take my bet. I would have 20 bucks on... Biden not standing um, in 2024. So if I'm right now, of course I could be wrong, he, he might stand. But if he doesn't, who do you imagine is the front runner at this stage to be, not to be the nominee, but to be the president, either Republican or, or, or Democrat? If, if you looked at all of the possible candidates and you thought, well, there's a chosen one, there is an elite chosen candidate, who would it look like at the moment? You know, that's a great question, Richie. And I, I just don't know. You know, you, yeah. you could ask, you know, who, who would, if you're thinking of in terms of the Democrats nominating pathetic candidates, you know, who would be even worse and more more corrupt than, say, you know, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden? I don't know how they could top that. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe DeSantis uh, could do it because, you know, DeSantis is very sharp. And is he Texas, Kevin? Is he un, Texas? He's, un, he's unprincipled. And so he, they could channel the sort of pro-Trump side of things, uh, and yeah. probably get enough establishment support that you know he might actually be in a in a strong position. Sorry for the um, interruption there. I was I was asking, is he is he the Texan? Is he the Texas governor, DeSantis, or DeSantis is Florida? Florida, excuse me, Florida. Right, yeah. So he's Florida. Yeah, and he's a bit Trumpian, isn't he, in his policies and his behaviour? So he might be one. What about one of these again hated Democrats like? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilian Omer or these lightweights that will never, you know, stand for, for, for the presidency? Or is there a possibility you'll get somebody like that? Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's anybody really left on the left. You know, Bernie Sanders was, was sort of the last, uh, <laughs> the, the great white hope of the left. And uh, and and I think he's a little old now. And and then this this younger generation, 
of these supposed leftists uh, are all really, I think, pretty pathetic and are never going to command the kind of widespread support that could uh, really help get them into power. I don't think the establishment really wants anybody who's uh, sort of socialist in their orientation. I think they conspired to keep Bernie Sanders out of the White House, uh, stole a number of elections from him in various ways. And so I, I don't think they really want these leftists, uh, and say, and, and they're they're no good anyway. They're they're all really uh, a bunch of phonies. So uh, you know, the, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is interesting. Uh, she just quit the Democratic Party, and so I'm always keeping my eyes open for when finally we'll get a third party that could or independents that could pummel the the two major parties successfully, sort of like Ross Perot almost did back in the '90s. Um, and uh, Tulsi Gabbard is a good start there. So that's the only good thing really that I can even imagine happening would be if Tulsi and somebody else, you know, who could attack the two major parties could join up with her and uh, and make it an interesting election. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. Kevin, thanks for your time as always. KevinBarrett.substack.com. Get onto Kevin's site, read his articles and support him where you can. Brilliant and, and to have R- you back. Richie, uh, Robia has a message to you. She wanted to invite you for dinner. Uh, sprouted lentils, lemon tini sauce, fresh cucumber tomato, green chili sauce, with <sighs> wild homemade sourdough, flatbreads, olive oil and olives. Can you make it? Oh, Robia, do you know what? If, if there was any chance that I'd be allowed into the United <laughs> States, if I was ever going to clear customs, <laughs> I'd be there in a heartbeat. I know she published a cookbook earlier this year. She's an incredibly talented lady. Uh, and you're lucky to have her by the sounds of it. So give Rabia my absolute best, Kevin. I'd love nothing more, pal. You know that. Okay, thanks, Richie. <laughs> Take great, care. Great to have you on. KevinBarrett.substack.com. One of the good guys. Always great to have Kevin on. It's exactly 11 and a half minutes to the top of the air. Now, Jenny wasn't listening to Kevin, or at least not to everything Kevin said. She disagrees with him about the hijab. She says she's spoken to Muslim women that, that have been bullied and threatened about the hijab. There have, even, there have even been women in the West murdered for refusing to wear it, she says. And then she goes on to say the idea that the hijab is part of Muslim tradition is not true, but Kevin Barrett said that very thing. He expressly said that it isn't part of the Muslim tradition. He made that point himself. Uh, Jenny, to be fair to him... So he did, indeed. Let's move on down. Colin says, is Kevin for real? A woman gets raped in Iran and it's her fault. Colin, do a little bit of homework before making such ludicrous comments. At least 10 people, at least 10 that we know of, were executed in Iran uh, on rape charges or having been found guilty of rape in Iran last year alone. Now, if you put punishment for rape in Iran into a search engine, you'll find that. Amnesty International and other organisations controlled by certain very dodgy people have been all over this in recent years. Iran is one of the only places in the world where you can be sentenced to death for rape. So, uh, no, mate. Uh, If a woman is raped in Iran, they don't just blame the woman. If you want to bash a country or a people or a culture... At least get your facts right there, Colin, if you don't mind me saying so. Scaramouche reckons it's one of the most educated countries in the world. Diane came on to say uh, Iran has the best sex change surgery in the world. Think that one out, says Diane. Now, that's something I didn't know. Is that true? Is it is it generally accepted that if you want to have sexual reassignment surgery 
that the best place to go is Iran. How interesting, Diane. That's what I'm going to pursue. Not because I fancy a sex change operation myself. I'm a lady. But uh, that is very interesting. Thank you for all your comments so far on the programme. It's uh, Thursday's Richie Allen Show. I can tell you that at half time it was Manchester United, excuse me, it was Real Sociedad nil, Manchester United 1. Young Alejandro Garnacho scored his first goal for the club. That, that was the half time score. So, so far, not too bad for Man U. Another goal without any reply from Sociedad would see United top the group. Oh, God be with the days when I was able to do live soccer updates. I can't anymore because you just wouldn't put up with it, would you? Would you? You wouldn't put up with it. I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. Um, it, Round about this time on a Thursday, I always do my little promo for the Sunday show. You see, I present a show every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and it's called Sunday Morning Melody, so it is. Yes, it's 10 o'clock and listen on richieallen.co.uk, fabradio2 or tunein.com. I love the programme. It's where we play some nice laid back music and we chat about the music and we chat about pop culture sometimes. Not pop culture of 2022, but pop culture of yesteryear. It's a nice programme, so it is. Jean Ann told me she's off to uh, the big smoke in Ireland to see her... Uh, to, to go and attend her nephew's wedding, her beloved nephew's wedding. She's looking forward to that. And I'll share a bit of my private life with you now. Tomorrow night, the future Mrs. Allen and myself, we are going out to eat. We're going out to a restaurant. Now, it'll be the first time in, it's more than a year, it's more than a year. It's long. It's even longer than a year that we've actually gone out together in the evening. No, no, it's got nothing to do with the restrictions and all of that. Yes, we had all that garbage in 2021. No, no, it's because we, we had a very young puppy, you see. Bobby Jean, the German Shepherd, you see. And you do not abandon puppies. You just do not do that. Well, you don't abandon them full stop, but you don't leave them to their own devices in your home. Not because you're worried about the furniture being torn to pieces, but because they really feel it when they are young. The sense of abandonment. So Bobby is like 14, 14 and a half months old now. She's a massive big dog now. She's huge. She's got her sister, the golden retriever, Leia. And we've just been popping out lately and leaving them for a little bit. Together, the two of them. And tomorrow night we're going to go for it. We're going to head into town for a couple of hours and we're going to have a nice bit of Spanish tapas. So I can't wait. I'm really like a big child about that. I can't bloody wait. Colin, very magnanimous Colin. Good man. I like to see that. Because when I'm wrong, I'm magnanimous too. Colin says, fair play to you, Richie. Yep, absolutely. Oh yeah, the Iranians don't uh, tolerate rape. In fact, in some countries in the Middle East... There is one country in particular. I wonder, is it Sudan? Well, Sudan, of course, is in Africa. Um, there is a country where they perform public executions on men who have been convicted of rape. And it's horrible. 
the men lie on their stomachs on the ground. If you've got children now, maybe they shouldn't hear this. But they, they lie on the... They're forced to the ground on their stomachs. And a man with a high-caliber rifle stands over them and fires three or four bullets into their back just underneath the shoulder blades, presumably aiming for the heart. It's fairly disgusting now. Not as disgusting as rape, Baldy. Hey, listen, you'll get no argument from me, but I'll never endorse capital punishment. Ever. If the family of the rape victim happened to catch the guy before the police, so long as they know for a fact that he did it, I don't condone it, but you can understand the hot-blooded crime of revenge. But the state should not exact revenge on behalf of its citizens. That is my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. But I know there are people listening to this show who vehemently disagree with that and and would say, no, 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 it's right enough. You know, the death penalty is good in certain circumstances, but I don't agree with that. Thanks to Melanie... Uh, for your kind words, Melanie, I really appreciate that. Hi to Richard Kelly, who says, Great guest, Richie. says, uh, very interesting. I'm at a regular stage where I have to recalibrate all of my thinking. It's hard to pinpoint where we are being led. And Patricia came back to say, Some of the most beautiful friends I have are Muslims. They'd give you the shirt off their backs. Uh, be th- They would be there in any moment if you need them and support you through any problems. That's my personal experience. And Patricia... That is my personal experience of Muslims in the UK in my time living in London, Manchester and now Salford. Great stuff, Patricia. That's it for the programme. It's been a really good week. Thanks to Kevin Barrett today. Thanks to David Vance, davidvance.net, kevinbarrett.substack.com. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your weekend and please join me on Sunday morning for Sunday Morning Melodies. Here's a melody for you. Closing out the programme today with a little bit of Kermit D. Frog. I'm playing this for Greta Thunberg, who is making frog hats. Go on, Greta. See you soon. Speak Sunday at 10. Until then, bye for me. Bye now. Why are there so many 